You're listening to the Full-Time Function Musician Podcast, Episode 4. You're listening to the Full-Time Function Musician Podcast, the number one resource for growing your function musician business. If you're a solo wedding singer, part of a 12-piece luxury show band, or anything in between, and want to learn from other successful musicians, you're in the right place. This is the Full-Time Function Musician Podcast. I am your host, Jack Twiner. This is it, episode four. So this was actually the very first episode I recorded quite a few months ago now. Um, and I've been, I'm in an hour in whether I should put it out for a few reasons, uh, none of which are to do with the guests, by the way, um, who is amazing. More on her in a second. But as I said, I recorded it a while ago. I think it was back in... August maybe and I didn't really know what I was doing I messed up the recording a little bit because I recorded everything onto one track so it made it hard to edit I'm a little awkward because I was kind of nervous I didn't do enough research or have enough stuff prepped but I thought I know Stella quite well I'll just jump on have a chat um, and now I've actually learned that you need to do some do some research and prepare for these things um, anyways I did decide to include it because Stella is such an amazing person with amazing stories um, loads of experience and even though I probably didn't ask the best questions, I still think there's a ton that you can take away from it. So I've known Scylla for, for a while now, worked with her quite a few times on a, different, a few different video shoots and things. Um, and she actually officiated my wedding last year and sang at it as well. So she was uh, an obvious first choice to be first guest on. So yeah, here's a little intro into her before we jump into our conversation. On today's episode, we have Andrasilla Mosley. Stella started her professional singing career back in the 90s in Minnesota, Minneapolis, with a soul band that had a residency at Prince's Glam nightclub. Since then, she spent the best part of 30 years singing everything from neo-soul and R&B to rock, pop and gospel. She's currently on backing vocals, supporting the rising UK blues and gospel artist Izzo Fitzroy, as well as enjoying a full schedule of function gigs as a soloist and with various different bands as well. Without further ado, here is my chat with Scylla Mosley. Thank you for coming on and having a chat with me. Um, You're welcome. Let's start. Thanks for inviting me. It, I guess. So let's start with a bit of history on you. When, when did you first get into music and when did you start singing? Well, I mean, truth be told, I've probably been singing my whole life, but um, professionally, I didn't start until the mid-90s, about 90... 95, 96. Um, I started taking some lessons with a professional jazz singer in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And what ended up happening was I, I didn't know what I wanted to do with music, but I just knew that I wanted to try something. And this person encouraged me to just audition for bands and things like that. And I had auditioned for a couple of people, but then um, I had a part-time job at a clothing chain a retail store and some friends were starting a band and I said, well, you know what? I've been auditioning, so maybe I'll just see if, you know, I can get in with them. And, and that's what happened. I got in with, with my friends and, um, we rehearsed quite a lot in the beginning and very quickly that band took off. Yeah. So was that, um, an originals band or, or like a function band? It was an originals band. We yeah. did, you know, the odd cover here and there, but it was, it was all, original music nice and, and your role in that was um backing singer lead singer that's a tricky question do you know what i was labeled as the featured vocalist <laughs> okay. and by that i was not the lead singer 
there were it was a band of eight men and one female that would that was me yeah <laughs> so what what happened was they they had several of the fellas that were singing they had a lead singer and i was the the lone um female vocalist in the back supporting the male vocalist the mm-hmm. other kind of two or three people that sang were supporting in in a bv way as well so i was in between a lead singer and a bv singer a backing vocalist so um but yeah so featured vocalist in that band but you know it it was a a rarity that i i had like a full song where i sang leads until later on when they did their second album in which there was a song that I wrote that featured on that album and then I sang that as well. Okay. So, so at this point you weren't full time, you were doing you had a um like a part time job as well or uh yeah, I was um was part time uh vocalist, just doing it as a hobby really. But yeah. I was a full time I did lots of <laughs> lots of full time jobs. I started out um as a nanny at the time, that's uh, when I was um kind of playing a dual role. But I started out uh, singing in my free time after I'd get off work, um, working with kids and go straight to the rehearsals, you know, two times a week. And then, you know, whenever we had gigs on a Friday or Saturday, you know, enjoying that and networking with people. And, you know, you soon find that when, when you, when you gig with, uh, decent bands, and people come to see you, you'll get invited to sing with other people. And that's what happened. So it started to become a little bit more, um, involved at, uh, at that point, but I was still categorized as a part-time vocalist, yeah. if you will. I was it was like but making hobby. connections and making connections and, you know, definitely having to support myself with my full-time job as a nanny. And then I went into, um, advertising after that, and then I, eventually I went into, I worked at a law firm, but still singing as a hobby vocalist, um, never really breaking or having the, I, I wasn't brave enough to go full time into music because I just didn't think I'd be able to support myself. So, yeah. yeah. And when was the turning point where you decided, do you know what, I do want to do this full time. I can do it full time. Yeah. Do you know what? I... I waited until I moved to um, the UK. Um, I got married in the summer of 2007, and by May of 2008, I had made the move over to the UK. And for a couple of years, I just kind of sat back and waited to see what I wanted to do. Did did I want to go back into a corporate position, or did I want to try to do music as a full-time job and in the end I just decided that this was the time in life to go for it you know just to do it and see where it takes me because there's always time for a full-time nine-to-five job but for music it felt to me like there was a at the time this is what I thought I thought there was a, a time limit on it, a shelf life and I don't believe that anymore I think you can start and stop whenever you want. I don't think you have to be a certain age to sing. So about 2010, I decided to go for it full time and I haven't looked back. Was that a bit scary at the start? I'm sure money wise and things like that. Like as anyone who's a freelancer will know. Yeah, it's a bit scary. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I I mean, I guess I was in a different position because by that time, both myself and my partner, um, 
we were pretty stable off of his income and you know the money that i i contributed um it was pretty much you know little gigs here and there so i i didn't have to worry about this has to make me money this has to be something that is gonna pay bills because my partner was um able and capable of 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 providing that um for our family so i took my time and 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 looked for places that really fit me, really suited me. And I guess the pressure wasn't as, as, as tough for me at that point. Um, not unlike what it might be for someone who's, you know, doesn't have that support system and has to go out mm. and they have to work to make money to, to pay bills. Um, so I guess I was a little different in that, in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what kind of what kind of stuff were you doing then? So I'm assuming that the the band that was just in America, so that wasn't didn't come over here. So what kind of um, stuff were you doing? Was it more bands or just solo stuff here in the UK? Yeah. Yeah. So um, in the US, I was doing mostly originals music, original music, you know. And then I did a few bands that kind of were half and half cover, half um, original music. And then when I moved here and decided to go for the music, I, I transitioned straight into cover bands <laughs> and I wasn't, I wasn't entirely sure that that was the, the fit for me. Um, coming from a background of also, um, writing songs myself, um, having, having done some, um, some albums with other people back in the States, I thought that that would be the natural, um, course that I would follow. But, I fell into a function band like straight away and it was really amazing because I found a love for singing other people's music <laughs> with my own spin on it that I'd never really felt because before it felt as if I was going through the motions singing a cover song but when it was your own music you could you know there's some there's a connection to it that I, I guess I wasn't feeling when I was doing it, um, in a, you know, covering someone else's music. But then here, the connection somehow magically appeared. I just all of a sudden started to really connect with the music that I was singing, even though it wasn't my own. Um, I made it my own. And I also fell in love with being in situations where people were coming to see us play and liking what we were doing and realizing that we were providing a service, not just, you know, for parties and weddings and things like that, but we were giving people entertainment from their weeks, you know, working and everything. They wanted to come and listen to music and they didn't necessarily want to go to a club or, you know, be somewhere uncomfortable for, you know, and not saying that clubs are all uncomfortable because clubs serve their purpose, but being in a place where people want to hear live music and to be able to socialize in a different, different way that, that brought joy to me. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed singing songs that were familiar that people could sing along to and dance to, but also that they felt that they were comfortable enough where it wasn't a shoving match, you know, at a, at a concert or, you know, I don't know, not to disparage any of those other forms of, you know, live music um, venues or, or DJs or clubs, but there is a difference when you go into a place where you sit down and you're watching someone sing songs that you know and can appreciate and 
there's a there's a safety in that that space you know i don't yeah. know maybe i'm talking out of my the side of my neck but that's that, that <laughs> brought me all, joy no. It does, no, it does make sense. It's, um, yeah, people love familiarity and they, and they love singing along to songs they know. Um, so, yeah. It, yeah, it makes total sense. Um, yeah. But moving forward a bit now, what, so what are you up to these, these days? How many bands you Living? Play? How many? Oh. <laughs> Do you know, I don't want to sit here and take up 10 minutes trying to count the number of people <laughs> that I get the pleasure of working with. Um, at the moment, I would say full time, like the people I work with the most, there's probably four function bands that get most of my time, um, as well as some original um, music that I sing. I sing with an artist. I do BVs for her. And we met while, because we all sing in this gospel choir um, based in London. And, um, when she started writing and putting out her music, she brought in um, a few of us to be her BV singers. And gosh, that's been at least a good seven years now that we've been together. And it's been one of the best projects. So, um, and again, like the gospel choir as well, but there are people that I get to sing with from time to time that are just one-offs here and there that pop up, you know, a few times a year. But I, I, I honestly, um, I'm enjoying the function life um, and kind of splintering off and doing things as we spoke about uh, my weekend this uh, just past doing a duo gig at a wedding. And I've I've met some amazing musicians. Dom is one of them, uh, the guitarist that I work with. And we go out and, 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 and perform at people's ceremonies in, in their, uh, cocktail hours and in their reception hours or, you know, for a couple of hours actually. And it's so much fun because there's an intimacy that you can achieve in those moments with the guests and with the clients that sometimes you don't get when you're just, you're a full band, you know, of six to 14 people. Um, you know, it, it, it's a job sometimes at, at that size. You just have to go in, get in, do your sound checks, and play the music whereas as a duo you get to meet people you're you're face to face with people because you're a smaller unit and um so I've, I've i've gone in that direction and i'm really enjoying it so i still do the full band stuff but i'm also doing duos and trios and stuff and i'm loving it i love it i love meeting the people i love being able to um cater to their their sets you know they want they want a soul singer they're going to get a soul singer they want something with pop they're going to get something with pop you want a little jazz i'm not a jazz singer but i'll do my best and i'll give you a little bit of what i do know and what i have you know the experience that i have in that setting so it's it's a lovely feeling being able to um spread my wings and and become a, a a more prolific artist by being a smaller unit just a quick break for an advert. Top musicians use Gigio to manage their bookings and admin. It's an easy-to-use web-based software that takes care of your inquiries, contracts, invoices, payments, and reports. It generates professional PDF contracts in seconds and allows your client to agree them quickly online and conveniently. It will even automatically update the diary on your phone. Read what other top musicians say about Gigio right now and take a free 30-day trial at getgigio.com. That's G-E-T-G-I-G-G-I-O.com. These days, I'm sure gigs 
they just come flying at you from left, right and centre. But in the earlier days, especially when you were over here in England, how did you go about getting your gigs? How were you marketing yourself? Early days over here, I wasn't the one getting the gigs. I was, like I said, I was singing with um, different um, artists or different function bands and they, it was up to them. And I, I saw very little of what went on behind the scenes as far as um, procuring gigs. And from what I understand is that people would approach them, especially, you know, local pubs and local um, venues in the area that I lived where the band was based they were being approached, the the people that ran, ran the band, and they were the ones that were, you know, booking things. And, you know, I just had to show up. And that was fine. I, I was happy with that. But then when I uh, started doing it for myself, uh, uh, one of the girls I sang with, we started a function band between the two of us. We had to then go out and you know approach people but again it was still mostly word of mouth oh we heard that these two girls have gone off and they're starting their own band and you know we kept busy we kept busy that way we had a relationship with um a venue in ascot there were um people who would book us through the venue um we'd either be asked for or the people that booked at the venue would say hey we've got this great band you know and show them you know past clips of of the band uh performing at that particular venue and we'd get bookings that way so um the way that's changed now is that i now have signed you know myself up as well as you know the band anything from a soloist to you know a full band on agency websites to try to um get get bookings and you still get word of mouth Um, there's loads of bands that I work with where, again, I'm, I'm not behind the scenes booking these things. I just show up when they ask if I'm available. Um, but it's, it's hard work, but it's, it's a part of the job. You have to do it. Um, in these situations, you have to market yourself. Self-promotion is very much, um, something I'm not great, great at, but it is a part of the job that is, is necessary. So I, I, I participate, I grow in it. Um, it's not my favorite thing, but you know, it has to be done. Somebody's got to do it. Do you use social media at all or a website or anything or, um, and like how many yeah. agencies do you sign up with as many as possible? Or um, do you pick a specific few or, um, I pick a specific few. Um, I go by what other artists that I work with, other colleagues, in the business have said are, are good and reputable sites. Um, there's probably about four sites that I'm listed on, but I think for the most part, social media also escapes me. And that's something that I, I realize is, is, is not in my best interest. I need to step it up and grow more as an artist in these these fields of like learning the technology, learning how to use social media better. And it's one of those things where I, I, I didn't think I, I needed it. But in this world of social media craziness, you really do have to utilize it. It does, it does help. It does work. It does um, provide you with um, a way to showcase yourself. And I, I, I'm, I'm learning and I'm, I'm getting more into it. Um, I'm just not very good at it, 
But again, you know, I'm old school and um, maybe a bit more stubborn than the the average <laughs> person in the industry at the moment. But I, I'm I'm trying because I I I find it intimidating and it keeps me at you know a little bit apprehensive for, from using it because I feel like oh what if I'm doing it wrong or oh you know you'll see some really great promotional stuff and I'm you know I think oh I could never do that but it, it's it's a game of it's not even a game. It's, it's just knowing that you don't have to compete. There's room for everybody in the market and you just have to, to, to find your, um, your lane, get in it and, and, and go and just drive, just go. And I think I'm learning as an artist cause you know, you, you're always having to grow. You're always having to, to learn new things. And I'm learning to be less, um, about comparing myself to other people and just, being okay with who I am and what I can do and just working every day to do something that will increase my knowledge of how to use the platforms that are available. But I mean, you, you're, you are in a, well, not a lucky position. You've worked hard for years to, to make it that word of mouth does work for you now, but it takes yeah. a long time for people to, to get to that position. Um, so I guess another question is where um, you, you were working behind the scenes, but what were you doing to market yourselves to get into those bands in the first place? Was that just connections? We're going out two gigs and meeting people or? Yeah, connections. Um, and now it feels as if you, you know, you put together a decent show reel of clips of yourself, even if it's off of a phone. Um, and if someone is interested, send, you know, you send it off to them. Um, I was always afraid of that. I always thought that that was never professional enough, but I see loads of people being able to do that. Um, and, and really secure some, some amazing gigs. And I too have done that. So I think the thing that has worked the most for me has been just networking with people, just, you know, sometimes going out to see other people's shows and, and attending gigs and, and meeting people in the audience or meeting the bands or the artists themselves, you really do um, benefit from face-to-face -face interactions with people still. But, you know, it doesn't, it, it, it only helps to have in your back pocket reels of yourself that show your, your talent, that show your capabilities, your diversity. Um, and, and that will get you hired that, you know, if you're good and you're responsible, you're a professional person, your reputation will follow you and it will precede you as well and get you gigs that, you know, you're, you're hoping to secure. Just be prepared. Always be prepared. It's, it's all about being a nice person as well. And, and people will remember that and want to work with you again and just yeah. be in a good hang at gigs and stuff like that. That's yeah. People remember things like that. And that's they do. Sure. Don't be an a hole. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and yeah, I'm sure. Well, yeah, we all know there's loads out there, and I'm sure we've worked with a few as well. But. Yeah, and surround yourself with good people. You know, there, life is too short to be in a band with people you don't like. Life is too short to work with people that you you don't fit with, because um, there's always going to be people out there that are your tribe. So just get out there and find them, and don't waste time. Um, and that's a lesson I had to learn a few times over. When you find good people, be loyal to them, work hard for them, and th that will return to you. But don't waste time with people who don't have the same energy. You don't need to put yourself through that because it holds up 
your progress. It holds up their progress. You just want to have a great time and, and, and produce great music. And you can do that with um, people that you like, you know, so don't waste time with people that don't bring you joy because <laughs> it, it, yeah. it, it stunts, it stunts the progress. So that's, that's a, a bit of advice that I wish I'd heard um, years ago. But, you know, some people have to learn lessons the hard way. And I, I guess I was one of them. Yeah, I get you. So this is a bit of a selfish question, really. But um, you've, we've mentioned um, how important it is to have some video content. But how important do you think it is for good quality professional video content to, to be a part of your marketing strategy? And like you said, having having a yeah. good showreel. And- In this day and age, it is paramount to securing gigs and um opportunities that will pay you well and also continue to help uh promote what you do it is very important and if anybody tells you that it's it's something that can happen you can do later you know just just you know get your yourself out there and just you know do this and that and then worry about that later don't don't listen to that do it off as quickly as you can because that gives you um it gives you a a a foot in a door that you might not have had if you didn't have you know like if you don't have it people don't necessarily take you as seriously and in this day and age everybody's got cameras everybody's got you know a friend who does this that and the other but if you know someone who's professional that can do a a video shoot for you and produce um high quality show reel um invest invest time and money in that because it will pay it is an investment isn't it it is an investment and it will come back tenfold to you to like make sure that you've you've got yourself you know, something that you can be proud of and that you can send out to anybody and they'll be, you know, more than, more than happy to, you know, discuss things with you because you're a professional that's come before them with material that they can, they can view and look at. Nobody wants to just trust completely, um, word of mouth. They want to see, they want to see what you've got. They want to know that you're, you know, somebody that they're not wasting their time with. So and that's it with agencies as well. They're not going to take anyone on without video content now. I think maybe they used to do it with just audio, but I, from conversations I had, I've had, they um, they won't yeah they won't accept you if you haven't got video content well, yeah. of some sort. Yeah, and it's it's um, important because even for yourself, I mean, it's it's worth having it so that you can you know you can watch your progress. I mean, you don't have to do it every year, but you know every few years do do a show reel to to show your growth it's it's a journey that you can look back on as well and it's just it's something that will always help you be a better performer and you know having having these videos for agents and for you know potential clients it's really important i can't stress it enough to to get as professional a show reel done that you can afford and as you progress make them better you know i mean eventually you know, we all want to have, you know, videos that cost thousands and, you know, there's light and wind and smoke machines and all the rest of it. We all want that, you know, it's not necessary to be, you know, in that setting right off the bat, but get a professional one done as soon as you can so that you can 
uh, start reaping the benefits of that show reel. Um, awesome. Yeah. I, yeah, obviously totally, totally agree with that. Um, um, so I think, um, to wrap it up a little bit now, I just wanted to go into your best gig ever and your worst gig ever. Okay. Before we go into best and worst, let me just say that I have enjoyed every time I've been on a show reel shoot with you, whether it be for myself or with other bands. Um, and I know you started that last question off as it being, as, as being a selfish <laughs> question, but honestly, you do some really tremendously important and effective work. And it's outstanding to get those products back and go, wow, because I'm uncomfortable and awkward as hell in front of a camera. And to have somebody that is um, so professional and makes you feel confident and comfortable, that's a skill. You are really good at that, Jack. And I would uh, never, making me ever, blush. Oh, don't, don't blush. Just be like, that's right. That's what I do. That's what I'm here for. No, but you are so good. And I, I appreciate every single time I've worked with you that I always walk away going, wow, that was not painful at all. And oh my gosh, I know that when we get the finished product, I'm going to be proud of it. I'm going to be happy with it. I'm going to be pleased. I've never regretted a single moment working with you. So thank you for being so good at what you do. It's, it's a, it's wonderful to work with you. It really is. Well, you, you make it easy, honestly. It's always a pleasure to work with you, as you know. Um, oh, I appreciate that. The most beautiful voice I've heard. Oh. <laughs> you should have heard me this morning trying to speak. Uh, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate that. I do... Uh, you know, it's been decades. I've worked really hard. So, um, yeah, but thank you. I appreciate that. So best and worst gigs, um, best gig. Um, let me start with the worst. The worst just happened last, last year, actually. And it's probably not the worst, uh, in the sense that I regretted doing it, but it was one that I just thought, uh, I'd like to avoid doing stuff like this if, if at all possible. And there are other instances, but I, I categorize this one as the worst because I just, I felt so out of place. There was a gig that I, I was asked to do, um, for a friend's function band and we showed up at the venue and I just noticed that there were loads of people already there. You know, they were very, they were more than punctual. So we hadn't even done our sound check set up yet. Um, and they were very, um, curious as to what we were going to play. And I just thought, Oh, I don't, I don't know why they're, you know, asking us questions. This, you know, we haven't even sound checked yet. They're, they're, they're like almost wanting to request songs. And it's like, we haven't even sound checked yet. So we, we set up and we do the sound check, um, and go into the green room and we've got about an hour before the gig starts. So, we're just not really paying attention to what's happening out in the, the main room where we're supposed to be gigging. And as we start filtering out onto the stage, we realize that this particular crowd was a demographic that we were not prepared for. And it wasn't our fault. The person that booked it, it was a corporate gig. It was a, 
a, a corporate party of some sort for the uh, workers of this this, this uh, particular company, and they they didn't understand that the, their demographic uh, would want a certain style of music that we couldn't provide for them. <laughs> and I'm trying I'm treading carefully because I don't want to offend anybody, but yeah. it. it I've never sang this particular style of music before and our whole set, there was nothing in our set that even remotely re resembled it. So um, we kept getting requests from the dance floor to play a certain style of music. We'd finish a song and they'd come up, can you play this? And I would say, um, we'll, we'll, we'll try and sort this out before the next set. Having no idea how we would sort it out. But in the end, we finished our first set. We were supposed to break for about 15 minutes. The organizer from the company that booked us said, you guys can go. We've got to just play DJ music because the, 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 the guests all want to hear this style of music. So we're just going to have the DJ start early. So we were asked basically to leave <laughs> after one set. I mean, they still paid us and all, but it, it felt really awkward. It was really yeah. uncomfortable. And um, I never want to be in that position again. Um, and I'll give you the second worst, not, not that they were, you know, I'm not ranking them. I'm saying it's another story about the worst gig. Um, the band that I started out with in America, we, we got very, very, very lucky and a band that dropped out of a, uh, a gig in New York City, we had a, our band was represented by the same um, entertainment lawyer and they got us that slot that they, this other band dropped out of. And it was amazing. It was, we were opening up um, for The Roots um, and we were being looked at by different labels, by different uh, bigger artists and things were interested in um, what we were doing. And so it, it, it was the moment that, oh, this is, this is what we've been waiting for, an opportunity to be before, you know, the right sort of folks in a live setting to show them what we're, what we're about. And so we all flew out to New York. We were all ready to like do the gig and our lead singer didn't come to the gig. So the whole set is built around him on lead for like 95% of the gig and he didn't show up for the gig and he had his reasons. Um, but it just, it, it came down to a conflict between the fellas in the band that were running the band and the lead singer. And at the time it couldn't be resolved. And so the lead singer decided not to show up to the gig. And it was one of the biggest gigs for that band. And it would have hopefully propelled us over the hurdle um, into being a signable band. But after that, because he didn't show up and we were trying to, you know, myself and another one of the singers in the band were trying to cover those songs that we'd never sang lead on. You know, we knew them in it, you know, well enough to sing them but we weren't the artists that they were coming to we weren't the band that they booked really you know they booked that lead singer and the rest of us around it you know and it it, it flopped and the band 
very shortly after that fell apart and it was unfortunate, but that was, that was a pretty bad gig as well. Um, but it, it, it was a teachable moment for a lot of us, um, being in that position. So what happened to the band after that? Um, we did a couple more small gigs. Um, and then we all just went our separate ways really. But that was sort of near the end. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 we just couldn't get over, you know, that not, not, not being able to do what we wanted to accomplish with, with that particular gig, but happy ending as it is, we're all friends still. I mean, most of us do still keep up with each other. Even, even the conflict that was between the, you know, the, the, the guys that were, you know, having issues with the lead singer like they're all the best of friends because they all went to college together um and it it worked out because i think people found new creative um circles to be in and they did other things and it it, it, it's worked out i think for people to you know their lives are not you know worse off by what happened you know what happened happened and and we we've all moved on yeah so best gig, there's too many to, to really, <laughs> I would say, um, one of my favorite gigs, I'm not going to say it was the best gig, but it was one of my favorite ones, um, was a few years ago as we were a couple years ago, as we were starting to come out of the, um, lockdowns, um, I had the amazing opportunity to be in the gospel choir, that Bastille um, put together for its reorchestrated tour. And we did a show at, so we did Latitude Festival. And then we had a, uh, they had a couple of shows booked um, later on, back to back. And at Latitude, there was an artist, <laughs> uh, Rick Astley was playing that same day. And so, Dan, the lead singer of Bastille, fanboyed um, tremendously with Rick Astley and convinced him to do the next two gigs. Um, and as they were in Rick Astley's neighborhood, it, it, like he only lived a few um, few minutes away, he agreed. And so he came on stage and did Never Gonna Give You Up with Bastille. And afterwards, uh, hung out with us in the dressing room and stuff. And I got to meet him and his beautiful wife. And it was so amazing to meet someone that when I was a teenager, those songs that he released were, they swept pretty much, I would imagine the world, but like America, they were massive hits. Mm -hmm. And so to meet someone like that from my childhood, it was just like, this is amazing. This is great. So I've, I've never in my life felt the euphoria <laughs> that I felt meeting Rick Astley <laughs> on a gig. I don't know how many, what, a couple decades later after, after, you know, having worshiped that music as a, as a teenager. So it was really great. It was really great to, to be on that gig. So it was one of my yeah. favorite memories that I think I'll probably on my deathbed be going, ah, I sang back backing vocals for Rick Astley on one song. It was amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Did you see his uh, Glastonbury performance recently? Um, I did. He went he went down a storm, didn't he? He was amazing. So good. 
that cat's voice after all these years. And do you know what? Again, back to the point of just being around good people. There is something so good about this man. He's such a good person and his wife as well. Like just, I, I came away being a fangirl of his wife, you know, cause she, in her own right, she works within the, um, movie industry and she's, she's a top dog in what she does. And she's a lovely person stood there and talked to them for the longest time. And they're just fun people. They're lovely, kind, truly just genuinely good people. And I think that makes things even more special. And to watch him on stage, you know, at Glastonbury, that comes through in all his performances. He's just a genuinely nice guy. And he put on a hell of a show and he, he's surrounded by great people. It just feels like he's surrounded by the right people as well. So it's a testimony to, you know, surround yourself with good people and be a nice person. And yeah, that's it. You'll have longevity. Yeah. Longevity in the field that, that you love. You know what I mean? There it is. There you have it. It's, it's a part of the, the formula to enjoying your music career. That's the takeaway from this episode. (laughs) Um, Amazing. Thank you so much for for coming and having a chat with me. You're welcome. You did a great job. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So enjoy the rest of your day and um, we'll catch up very soon. Soon. All right, brother. Love to you. See you later. Bye bye. Bye. So there we go. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and got something out of it. Scylla is a super interesting person. So maybe I have to ask her to come back sometime and we can get some more info out of her. Um, So as always, I would love to hear from you if you guys have been enjoying this podcast. Um, And you can do that by emailing me at feedback at the full-time function musician podcast.co.uk or you can find me on Instagram at infocus recording co co on the end there uh, then lastly i have started a facebook group which i'm really hoping to turn into a great little community of listeners who want to share info and help each other grow i've been a part of a few groups like that in the past which have really helped me um, just having people to discuss things with or ask questions um, I've also got other plans for giveaways and live Q&As and all sorts of things like that. So if you want to join that group, you can just search the full-time function musician community on Facebook and that should come up. Um, I'm super excited about next week's episode, even though I haven't recorded it yet, but I know it's going to be a really good one. Um, I've got also got a big announcement to, to go along with it, so keep an eye out for that. Um, but that's enough from me. I'll catch you next week for episode five. Uh-huh.